0: Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of The Legends of Sports and Music. This is your host, the OG Rob Silva. Today is a very special episode, as I take two previous episodes that I appeared on, on two separate podcasts, in celebrating the career of the first professional wrestler I idolized back in 1982, who a year ago passed away, and that is the legendary Hacksaw Butch Reed. The first 34 minutes of this podcast, you will hear a show I did with my longtime podcast partner, Logan, in which we reviewed the three greatest performances of Butch Reed's career. Second half of this podcast will... uh was a podcast, a Patreon podcast on the Booking the Territory Patreon page that I appeared on last year with Booking the Territory members, Mike Mills, the founder and head of the network, Sean Sparks and Lance Peterson. And in that segment, second part of this podcast, you will hear a complete rundown of Hacksaw Butcher's Reed entire career. Hacksaw Butch Reed's entire career from when he started in Georgia, Florida, Mid South, WWF, WCW. Uh, real quick before I begin the program, I want to plug all the podcasts that I appear on for those who are listening. Besides the legends of sports and music that you guys are listening to, that it's available, that's available on every single podcast platform, I've been doing a podcast with Logan for 10 and a half, 10 and a half years called World Championship Boxing that's available on Podcast Addict, Apple, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Logan and I also do a bi-weekly legends of music podcast on the, on the Logan's time travel podcast, which is available on Google podcasts. Also I do a weekly boxing podcast with Carlos Toro on the fight game media podcast, which is available on all platforms. And for those interested in hearing Bonus content that Carlson and I have done. Uh, this year, 2022, we are doing the greatest upsets in boxing history. And that's on the Patreon Fight Game Media page. Go to Patreon, uh, search for Fight Game Media. You'll see the Patreon page. And from a nominal fee of $5 per month, you hear a bunch of wrestling podcasts. UFC Podcast, Bellator Podcast, and the monthly boxing podcast that Carlos and I do, which is separate from the weekly free podcast on Fight Game Media. And uh two other podcasts I do. World Championship Boxing that I've been doing for ten and a half years with Logan. That's available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And finally, Championship Rounds Podcast. A monthly podcast that I do with Stevon Smith and Tony Haynes, and that's available on all, all uh, podcast platforms. Now, ladies and gentlemen, on to the tribute for the legendary and the late great Hacksaw Retreat.
1: Blob Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show, and today we are talking about the greatest performances of Hacksaw Butch Reed, and I am joined once again by my co-host Juan Silva. What's up, man?
0: Hey, good evening, Logan. Good evening, classic wrestling fans. As tonight, we talk about one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, my favorite black wrestler of all time, the always awesome Hacksaw Butch Reed.
1: Yeah, that's uh, quite a um, quite a specimen there. Uh, very strong, very athletic, and uh, probably like. What, what do you think of him as one of the top black wrestlers of all time? Right.
0: At one, at one time, he was, in my opinion, and and the esteemed Dave Meltzer's opinion, as of 1986, Dave Meltzer had, had considered Hacksaw Butchery the greatest African American wrestler of all time. Professional wrestler of all time. He's top five. I think he was surpassed by Rocky, uh, by both Rocky Johnson and The Rock. I would put a Butch Butchery third behind those two guys.
1: Yeah. So he's, uh, I mean, he kind of did. He make it into the
0: um, Hall of Fame? No, he's not in the Observer Hall of Fame because he stopped wrestling after the Doom Tag Team came to it to an end in 1992, Butch Reed was only, I believe, 38, 39 years old when he retired from professional wrestling and became a, a member of the rodeo circuit. He became a cowboy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he always was a Southern boy, right? So, Well, he's from Kansas City, Missouri, so I guess you you consider that the South, but he's been, been on, on the rodeo circuit on and off for the last 23 years.
1: So he actually rides horses?
0: He 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 performs he was performing in rodeos, so whatever they do in rodeos, I don't know, I'm not a <laughs>
1: <man>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh well his peak uh, you have a bunch of matches from his peak of his career here. Uh his peak, um,
0: and, his peak was from nineteen eighty two to nineteen eighty five. In nineteen eighty six when he joined the World Wrestling Federation, he had gotten so juiced up and drugged up he had a bad cocaine habit that by the time he got to the WWF in the summer of 86, he wasn't the same. But his career was resurrected in 1989 when him and Ron Simmons became the tag team Dune, first under the mask, and then in 1990 had a sensational year as NWA World Tag Team Champions.
1: Yeah, that was a, a great tag, team. a lot of people probably remember him from that, and also they remember the, nat- most people remember him as the natural, you know, from uh, WWE, but uh, he was Hacksaw at the- when he started out, right?
0: I'll talk about that ill-fated run at the end of this episode, but let's get into what we're going to talk about now, which was the prime of Hacksaw Butch Reed. I'll run it down real quick. From October 1984 on a on an episode of, of Mid South Wrestling, his face turn. His face turn when he turns face when uh, on an episode of Mid South Wrestling. Then we'll go to October 11th, 1985, from the Houston, Sam Houston Coliseum, Houston slash Mid South Wrestling. For you fans that have yet to have have not yet purchased NWA Classics. This match is on the NWA Classics um, website. Ric Flair defending the NWA World Championship in Houston, Texas against Hacksaw Butch Reed. And in the final match, December 31st, 1985, New Year's Eve, 1985, a dog collar match, a brutal dog collar match versus um, Mad Dog Bus Sawyer
1: yeah and i now I'm not sure i I did watch a a match he did with uh dick Murdoch, but uh I'm not sure if it was the one that you wanted me to watch but
0: uh they they eliminated the link that I sent when he won the North American championship from dick Murdoch that was deleted a couple of weeks ago right after I gave you the link. The link you sent me was from the n w a from um WC when uh, after Crockett had bought the promote after Crockett had sold to Turner February 1989 uh, Dick Murdoch versus Butch Reed both men passed their prime.
1: Yeah, it was still a good match, but uh, yeah, uh, and Butch Reed playing the heel, so does, it was good to see him.
0: Does it compare to the to the Reed Murdoch matches of 1985?
1: Right, right, okay. So uh, this first thing, this face turn, I didn't get to see it. So why don't you describe what happened there?
0: Right in the Summer of 1983, the early summer, late spring, early summer of 1983, they did a a, a a great angle in which Butch Reed took the microphone. Butch Reed was a protege of the Junkyard Dog in the mid south. From when he from when he um came into the mid south in late 1982, Butch Reed the angle was Butch Reed was tired of being JYD's protege under the shadow of JYD, and he grabbed the microphone and shot a great promo about how he's tired of the JYD, he wants to be his own man. JYD comes out, and Butchery says, look, I'm my own man. And he turns on the JYD, and this begins a year-long feud, a year-long feud in which, in the summer of 1980 for Logan, JYD, without no notice, leaves Mid South and goes to the WWF during the WWF's expansion and their attack, their invasion of all the territories throughout the United States. McMahon would take would, would, would attempt to steal each promotion's each territory's top star. He cripples Mid South by stealing JYD in August of '84. So what um, Mid South did was they they on um, Bill Watts on television mentioned how he's a coward. Butch Reed ran him out of town, and so after that, um, a guy by the name of George Wells, Master G, takes JYD's place in the feud, and he has no charisma. He's not a great worker. And one thing he he's, i mean, Watch realizes this, so he gets squashed by the uh, the, the uh, Butch Reed. Then he tries Brickhouse Brown once again. Same thing, no charisma. He gets squashed. So finally. Bill Watts is like, all right, instead of putting these black guys against Reed, why don't I make Reed the top black baby face? So in the fall of 1984, he plans out a phenomenal angle, Logan, a phenomenal angle in which he has over a three-, four-week buildup. Scandor Akbar, the leader of the Rat Pack, Devastation Incorporated, is talking to Buddy Landell, the late, great Buddy Landell, who recently passed away, and he's telling Buddy Landell, look, I gave you a job. Here's the Rolex. Get the job done. So, doing an episode of Mid South Wrestling, Hacksaw Butch Reed is being introduced by Jim Ross. Jim Ross is the ring announcer at this time. As as um before his match. While he's being introduced by Jim Ross, Buddy Landell comes in the ring. At this point, Logan Landell and JYD, I mean Landell and Butch Reed are a tag team. Mandel goes up to Butch Reed and says, "Hey, hey, hey, hey! I got, I got something for us. Here's this Rolex." And Butch Reed's like, what's this, Ro- what, "What's this Rolex about?" And Buddy Mandel's like, "The general, the general told me to give you this, and we're going to join, the, we're going to join the general's army." And, and Butch Reed is like, "Are you kidding me? I'm the man in mid south." I'm the man. I stand alone. I got rid of I got rid of the Jyd. I got rid of uh, Brickhouse Brown. I got rid of Master G. I stand alone. So Buddy Landell is like, no, you got to join the general. I promised him. He gave me this Rolex so we could join. And the butchery is like, so that's what it's about. S- smashes the smashes the Rolex, and Buddy Landell falls to the floor. Says, no, no, crying because he destroyed his Rolex. And then Buddy Landell tries to attack Butch Reed, and Butch Reed destroys Buddy Landell. Buddy Landell, one of the great bumpers of all time, takes some hellacious bumps from JYD's punches and is knocked out. In comes General Skander with Ted DiBiase and Hercules Hernandez. And Butch Reed is like, come on, I'll take you all out of Skander Ackbar. Like, calm down, Butch, calm down. I, I know I shouldn't have sent a boy to do a man's job. I'm here to offer you a lot of money to join the general's army. And Ted DiBiase is like, listen to him, Butch. And Butch like, shut up. Shut up, Ted. I'm standalone. I don't need to join no army. So Scandal Archibald finally says these legendary words. And mind you people, George Bush was a huge wrestling fan, and he was real good, good friends with Paul Bosch, Houston, um, the, the owner of the Houston Territory boss says these words that fifteen, sixteen years later, seventeen years later, would be repeated by George Bush. You're either butch Reed, you're either with us or against us. <laughs> so Butch Reed goes, well, I guess I'm against against you, and starts fighting all three members as long along as Buddy Landell and Landell, Hercules. DiBiase and Akbar beat him down until Hacksaw Duggan makes a save. Hacksaw Butch Reed is now a face, and now you they create the tag team of the Hacksaws Duggan and Reed. Hello, Logan. So
1: that sorry, yeah. So that's a, that's how they got uh, the name for uh, him is uh, Hacksaw uh, Duggan. He was in the tag team with Hacksaw Duggan, and then he became Hacksaw Butch Reed. he no, was always right?
0: Hacksaw Butch Reed since, from, well, when he first started, his real name, Hacksaw Butch Reed's real name is Bruce Reed. Then when he came to, I don't, I think it was in Florida, they changed his name to Hacksaw Butch Reed because he had been a football player, and there was a famous football player at the time whose nickname was Hacksaw Reynolds, who played for the Los Angeles Rams and then later the San Francisco 49ers. So um, Axel Duggan and Hacksaw Butch Reed got uh, took that nickname from Hacksaw Reynolds because they both were football players.
1: Oh, uh, okay. And well, then they ended up being in the tag team, but who was first?
0: Um, I would say, oh, they both they both started their careers around the same time, so I would I, I could I couldn't I couldn't venture against okay. this. Hacksaw But Duggan became Hacksaw Duggan in mid South in eighty two and Axel Butchry became Axel Butchery in Florida in '82. Okay.
1: So yeah, so this face turn was—they uh, were trying to basically get another junkyard dog in there. It didn't turn out to pan out, but he had some great matches in that during that face he, period. He
0: did—he did not draw like uh, Butch uh, by, by JYD was the closest thing they ever had to JYD, and from that point on until he left the promotion in January '86. Butch Reed was predominantly the number one face in Mid South, or uh, if not one A to the one B to uh, Axel Duggan.
1: Okay, so so here we have Ric Flair coming in to defend his uh, NWA World Heavyweight Championship against Hacksaw Butch Reed. Um,
0: what what what? How did this um, match get set up? Well, this is a feud that was ongoing throughout the summer into the fall. Of 1985, throughout the mid-South arenas, um, Butch Reed had scored a pin on Ric Flair on, on, on national television. A non-title match. It was also a legendary one-hour ma- uh, time-limit uh, time draw that we covered on the greatest matches of all time from the New Orleans Superdome. So, and want a uh, real quick backdrop to this: hacksaw saw Butch Reed became a national star. Courtesy of an angle that was shot in Florida when Dory Funk Jr. was the booker in the spring of 1982. I remember this match vividly because this used to be shown on Spanish television, Florida Wrestling, in New York City. In the spring, I would say March of 1982, there was a um, Bruce Reed, Butch Reed, Hacksaw Butch Reed, had gotten a shot, a 30-minute TV Title shot for the NWA World Championship against Ric Flair. At this point, Butch Reed was unknown, and Ric Flair went in there all cocky. Oh, it's cool with this guy. This guy's never beat anybody. Woo, I'm the champion. This is going to be easy work. They went to a 30 minute title on the draw, a great match, a match to this day that I wish I would have recorded because I can't find this match. One of those great matches on television that's nowhere to be found. Logan, they went 30 minutes. This would have been on this program. We could have found it. They went 30 minutes. Time limit draw. Flair goes to the cup to Gordon Showley. He says, No, no, this guy can't beat me. Give me five more minutes. Woo, I want five more minutes. Within those five minutes, Butch Reed pins Ric Flair. Ric Flair, once again, like he always does, puts over a great star. And Butch Reed, for the rest of that, uh, for the next four to five months, is the number one face in Florida, as Dory Funk and Ric Flair gr- did a great job of building this star. And Dory Funk always was great at building up black baby faces, so they kind of they they kind of Bill Watts kind of took that angle and used his own use his own twist in which Reed, Pitts, Flynn, and non-title match television, and they have a tremendous feud throughout the fall, from the summer to the fall of of, of 1985. This being one of the matches in that in that few.
1: Okay, so yeah, so they get into this, um, you know. So this is a, they've had already two matches before this one. Then, is what you're saying, right?
0: Several matches, but there was two matches, one on television and one that and one that we covered from the Superdome, and so this is one of the, in, a, in a series of, of many matches.
1: I got you. So this one is good. I mean, it, it's it's intense. They 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 lock up for a first, and you get um, him sh- with a uh, Butch with a show of strength pushing him across the ring. You get, you get Rick fucking um, tries an arm drag, then he gets arm dragged himself, and then press slam pretty fucking easily by. Uh, this is a strong guy.
0: Butch Reed was a great athletic worker, and this is the, this is the best type of a guy that Ric Flair flourishes against. That makes him yeah. look. Great. I mean, Reed is a good worker. Flair makes him a great worker because no one works off big men better than Ric Flair. Ric Flair, whether it was Lex Luger, Sting, Butch Reed, Kerry Von Erich, Bruiser Brody. The big guys bounce off you so great. He just enhances their work rate by the way he bounces off of them. He sure does, yeah.
1: So he's begging off. You know, playing the the, the the cowardly heel here, and then he uh they they do a, he gets caught in a bear hug, and they they sell this bear hug pretty uh pretty intensely. Then they uh, they do a little boxing, which uh, of course Butch Reed gets the better of. He he's like he's got that Rocky Johnson stance, you know. It,
0: uh, Butch Reed Logan is, and he do great punches. I mean, he yeah, from that old school. And then you know what? If you notice, a lot of the guys that went through Bill Watts' territory knew how to throw punches, whether it was Hacksaw Duggan, Ted DiBiase, Butch Reed. 'Cause Bill Watts emphasized reality, real realism in his matches. And if you threw bullshit punches, he was gonna take you to the bank to the back and punch you for real.
1: <laughs> so he gets caught back in the bear hug. Um, he almost he falls to the ground and almost gets pinned. Um he finally gets to the ropes and uh he, he comes back with a chop, and, and you know, you see, uh, what's his name, um, 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 Butch Reed, like, really selling these chops. Like, he's he doesn't no-sell them like a lot of the big guys do, and I, I think that's better. Well, um, well, because it, the other
0: thing about Flair, because the chop is one of his big um, offensive weapons, it works so great against the Brodies, the Reeds, the Von Eriks, the Stings, the Lugas, because they have those massive chests. And so he's bouncing it off, and the the effect is great. He's like, "Wow, look at this!" Yes, and and Reed sells it to a point, but then makes the comeback and starts beating the hell out of Flair again.
1: Yeah, he's punching him back. Then we get a Flair flop, um, and then he get and then we get Rick getting his leg breaker on, and then going into the figure four. Um, You know, when when does Ric Flair put on a figure four that's not reversed? I just want to know. He's always reversed. He gets
0: reversed. Recently, I was listening to Ric Flair's podcast, and Ric Flair was like, I'm the only guy with a finishing move that no one ever submits to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, he's also like the high flyer guy who comes off the top rope, and it never works. I mean, I think it's worked once in his whole career. uh,
0: Flair always goes, I put the – I put the figure four leg lock on, I think, about a thousand times, a million times in my career. I think I'm one guy submitted. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he, he, he'd submit like a jobber in a squash match with the figure <laughs> four, and that's
0: about it. Um, we um, so, on weekends, whenever he wrestled, yeah, the jobber would submit. But um, but as far as the NWA title defenses are not nah, uh, there's been a few times Dusty Rhodes blacked out to the figure four <laughs> It's been a few times. when, Whenever he wins the match, slogan. whenever the like, the end of a feud, don't talk to the ropes with the figure four and the guy either submits or blacks out.
1: Right, right. So anyway, he gets he uh, he gets he gets uh, reversed, then he he uh, tries to put the figure four on again. He gets small package. Then we get uh, some some real chops from Flair. Ric Flair then goes, points out to the crowd, starts talking to him, you know, telling him to fuck fuck off uh like i'm talking he's like you know i love it when he points to like somebody specific in the crowd and then like starts like taunting them you know
0: it's Uh, it's usually a fat bitch or dude yeah
1: yeah he's like shut up fat boy and then he goes uh he throws butch out uh and then butch tries to get back in and gets chopped out viciously uh and then he gets back comes back in with a sunset flip um and he gets a two-count. Uh, then we get the sleeper by Reed, um, and then that, that's a pretty, like, uh, he really does wear Ric Flair down. They get they get into that, like, uh, sequence where they do the bridge to the backslide. Yes,
0: um, backslide, yes.
1: And, th- and then he's punching Flair in the corner, and uh, Re- the, Flair kind of, like, grabs him by the arm and, like, throws him right into the ref. Um, and, um...
0: Then uh, Butch Reed shows his athleticism. Athleticism. Flair throws him off the top rope, and he does the what you call skin the cat, which I've never seen a dude as big as uh, as Reed ever do. I mean, he did it flawlessly.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, it was one of those. Uh, it was great, and he gets thrown out, but then like does like the skin the cat to get back in. That
0: was good. Um, I've seen a guy that big do it. Usually, it's Ricky Steamboat, Ricky Morton. Those type of wrestlers, but but no, uh, Reed. And at this point in time, Logan Reed probably has one of the five greatest physiques in the history of professional wrestling. I mean, he is stacked to the gill. Chest wise, he's got muscular legs. There's nothing skinny on his guy, He's all muscles, great athleticism, and he's not muscular to the point where it's grotesque, like a yeah. like a warlord or a goddamn fuck. Who was real grotesque as was Adino Bravo? So at this point, it's a perfect, it's a perfect physique.
1: Yeah, he's perfect. He looks like he looks kind of like Tony Atlas.
0: He does. No, um, Tony Atlas has skinny legs. Butch Reed at this point, legs are powerful. His build. Yeah,
1: you're right. He's got the football legs.
0: His build is on a level of a Terry Von Erich and a Lex Luger in their prime, where from top to bottom he's. And
1: yeah, he's
0: built. Yeah, the total package.
1: So then he gets the figure four on Flair, but then the ref comes back in, and this is the classic finish for a Flair match. Here, he comes, he thinks he won. He did win. He won by just DQ because Flair threw him into the ref intentionally. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the uh, the finish of the match. He's very upset. Flair runs out, and uh, that's that's the deal. I mean, uh, and so
0: uh, you know. I want, one thing go I want ahead. To say. This feud does not end conclusively. On television the following week he um Flair puts a bounty on on, on Butch Reed, twenty five thousand dollar bounty, in which Dick Slater and and hacks off Buzz Sawyer collected by um attacking him and putting him out. And so that leads to a feud that he has with both Dick Slater and Buzz Sawyer, and which culminates with Buzz Sawyer in the next match, December thirty first, nineteen eighty five. Reed at this time is North American champion. But challenges acts on um, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer to a non-title dog collar match.
1: Yes, and so that's this next match that we're going to talk about here. Now this this thing was fucking crazy. Like, first of all, it, he challenged them. It was like it was an impromptu challenge, right? It was like you know, just like
0: you don't have matches like this today, man. This it was unfucking real. Sawyer and Butch Reed, two of the best workers on the planet. At this point in professional wrestling in 1985, putting a clinic on how to do a door collar brawl. This was a phenomenal bloodbath.
1: Oh yeah, man! And uh, you know, it, 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 the thing about it is, is like for the first uh, like maybe seven, eight minutes of this match, it's all butchery. <laughs> Just beating the shit out of Sawyer, man! Like,
0: I bet you, blooding
1: his ass up.
0: Hey Logan, I bet you they didn't go, they didn't go in the back and say move for move what they were going to do. This is how this match this is how this match was was went about. This is how they planned the match. Bill Watts went to them and said, Look, you're going to go out there and you're going to challenge him to an impromptu match. Go over the match, fellas. They they take out some lines. They both snort. They look at each other. Oh, we'll call it in the ring and then they call to the fight.
1: And they, and they busted hard way, you know. There was no blading in this shit. It was just pure fucking chain, you
0: know. And this know? boy, Logan, not only was these two guys, Sawyer and Reed, two of the best workers on the planet, they were two of the biggest cokeheads on the planet.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, dude, they are. And uh, they, they were going at it, man. Like, they didn't look like... I don't know. They were really hitting each other, like,
0: definitely. I it had to be high to do the shit they were doing this match because they were fucking each other up with that chain, hard way.
1: Yeah, Sora, Sora eventually comes back and uh, throws him, in, you know, uh, they go outside, he throws him into the steel barricade. Then he whips Reed by the chain. Uh, he whips Reed with the chain. Uh, he goes down and misses an elbow, but Butch Reed then, like, um, comes back, whips uh Sawyer with the chain. Um then he comes down hard on um on him with a crim you know on his crimson mask with his fucking he puts that wraps that shit around his hand and just starts like doing like fist drops on him on the on the mat. Um snore does a Sawyer does a snap mare with the fucking chain. <laughs> then he get like um, Reed Reed catches um Oh yeah Oh, yeah, okay, Reed catches Sawyer when he gets jumps off the second rope. mm mm-hmm. Um Then he, I mean, he, he basically, he kills Sawyer. He chokes Sawyer with the the, the thing. He's, um, he Sawyer um, takes his collar off, <laughs> and he puts it on, like, the bottom rope,
0: yeah, and he has the, in the match. Smart move by Buzz Sawyer. While Butch Reed is outside the ring, Sawyer takes his collar off and ties it to the bottom rope, and then... When they come in the ring, Sawyer reverses a whip and turns it into a bulldog, and this was great booking because because the rope is ti- the the dog collar is tied to the rope. It looks like he just snaps Butch Reed's neck. Butch Reed goes yeah. down. Sawyer gets to pin one two three and he wins the match. And then Dick Slater comes in and they beat the hell out of Butch Reed.
1: Yeah yeah, this is not a good name for Butch Reed man. Yeah
0: happened, Logan, Butch Reed had, gave it, had given his notice to Bill Watts. What happened was at this point in time, Butch Reed while he was making money for Watts and Watts didn't want him to leave Butch Reed's coke habit had gotten so out of hand that his wife said, either, either you leave it south and quit wrestling or do something because I'm going to leave you. So what Butch Reed did was he gave notice to Watts right before this match and then the following night, he would give up the North American title to Dick Slater, and he would go back to Kansas City's hometown with his wife, where he would wrestle in the horrible Kansas City promotion as a mid-carder, just so he wouldn't get divorced.
1: But then he uh, got went back on the coke?
0: Well, what happened was, while he cleaned out in Kansas City, he started being managed by Slick. And caught the eye, caught the attention of Vince McMahon, who always had his eye on Butch Reed. And so they came up with the plan to give him blonde hair and become a black blonde hair, uh, thinking that that would draw a lot of money. It didn't draw shit. Butch Reed's coke problem resurfaced when it came to the WWF. Because you know, Logan, in the mid to late 80s, the WWF was was, was infested with cocaine abuse.
1: Okay, so yeah, it was, he was there to get it, and he got it, and he got way into the cook.
0: It cost him, Logan, because on a TV taping in May of 1987, he was scheduled to win the Intercontinental Championship with Ricky Steamboat. But he was so coked out of his mind that he, that he was late to the arena, and the hockey talk man took, a, took his place, and you saw what happened.
1: Wow, that changed history right, right there, man. Like just his coke habit fucked up history right there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he, it could have been him, man, having the longest reign, you know?
0: And, and ris- after after WrestleMania four, he was fired by the WWF, and then he would resurface in the NWA, Turner, WCW, late 88. And then in 89, he would form the tag team with Doom. That would be a, probably the best tag team in the United States other than the Steiners, up until nineteen ninety one where um Dusty Rhodes made a horrible decision in breaking them up and turning Ron Simmons face. I think they had a they had a large a, a longer shelf life than they were given. And, and um less than two years later, Butch Reed retired from wrestling and became a member of the rodeo circuit.
1: How who did they, who did they feud with when they were uh doomed? Like, he fumed with the starters, right?
0: They feuded with the Steiners. They feuded with the Horsemen. The Horsemen feud was a great feud. One of the matches that we covered on the Greatest Matches of All Time.
1: And did they? And, and when Natural Bush Reed was wrestling, who did he feud with?
0: No, he most of the time in in in, 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 in Turner, he was teaming with the, with with um Ron Simmons. Then when they broke the team up, he feuded with Ron Simmons for a couple of months, ending in a ta- in a cage match in which. Reed lost, and then he left the promotion.
1: No, but I mean when he was a natural in WWF uh did, who did he who did he
0: wrestle? The most of the time he feuded with with Superstar Graham and then Don Morocco.
1: Oh, right, right. that's right. Okay.
0: His last match was against Axel Butchery. Reed. All right, well,
1: uh, you know, probably uh, not that
0: many people... I don't know. How many people do you think know about Hacksaw, Butch Reed? Um,
1: Not many, right? The people
0: that listen to this program... <laughs> I, don't think I don't think today's wrestling fan listens to this program. The guys that listen to this program are like uh, Dean Knickerbocker, our boy of our boy in San Antonio, or or, or, or shout-out to Mark Wren. They know who Butch Reed, Butch Reed are. They are big fans of Butch Reed. Shout-out to my man, Goodwill, who is a huge Butch Reed um, fan. The guys that listen to this program are defi- definitely know who Butch Reed is and appreciate the work of Butch if, Reed. Does. If
1: Butch Reed died, do you think people would remember him?
0: No, no, because Butch Reed never got to that level of a Ric Flair, a Dusty Rhodes, or Roddy Piper, and it's because of his it because he self destructed.
1: That was he on the mic?
0: Is the the cocaine the cocaine and cocaine is under cocaine is a devil.
1: yeah but I mean he was a good promo too right
0: he could do it all he was a great promo a great athlete great worker he had the look I mean that man was like a black Kerry Von Eric the way he was built
1: yeah and he had he had good athleticism too man I mean, although he,
0: I have to... he he could he could do it all but you know cocaine abuse baby. And he admits it. there's an RF video shoot interview out there that people can check it out on YouTube where he, he talks about the demons that, that, that ruined his life. He'll be the first to admit that he should have done more than what he did. The man could do it all. One of my all-time favorite wrestlers. In the mid-'80s, in 1985, my wall consisted of the of Superfly Stuka, Hacks Off Woods Reed, and Rowdy Roddy Piper.
1: Well, wow, yeah, had a cokehead, a racist,
0: and a uh <laughs> somebody else. All three did massive amounts of cocaine, right? Yeah. <laughs> All
1: yeah. right, man. Well, uh that's a great little retrospective. Go ahead.
0: To calculate the amount of cocaine those three guys did, you could you could you 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 could take care of Bolivia for 2 years. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, a lot of snow there. All right, well, uh, we'll be uh, looking at another guy uh, coming up soon, so stay tuned for that. Uh, do, you, do you have to know who it will be?
0: Uh, well, let's concentrate. Sunday I want to do two shows, fight recap of the bullshit Floyd May with Andre Berto fight that happened last week, and we're going to uh, cover on the movie show the great Three Kings movie starring Mark Wahlberg, George Clooney, and the legendary Ice Cube. As far as wrestlers go, Logan... Haven't decided yet. It's down to three guys. It's either going to be Ricky Steamboat, Bret Hart, or Ric Flair. And you could make an argument those are the three greatest workers in the history of American professional wrestling.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. All right.
0: Thanks, to everybody,
1: for listening. This is the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show, and uh, thank you, Juan Silva. We'll talk soon, man.
0: Talk to you on Sunday, big man. Good night.
1: Talk to you then. Peace.
3: so now can y'all hear me and I'm not even drinking I don't even I haven't even put a sip of Hennessy to me yet anyway quick announcement let me do this again all the live streams will be at the $5 tier it's a miracle Lance and I are here because we've got power, even though we were frozen to death this week in DFW when we set a record with minus two degrees on, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday night. We got a bunch of snow, but I'm sitting here with Silver Sparks and Lance. Let me let me ask Silva this time. Silva, how you doing?
0: What's up, family? What's up, everybody? Big Mike doing well. Had the last two days off, so I uh, avoided this snowstorm, so I'm good. I've been relaxing, doing some writing. Watching some old classic uh, wrestling, listening to some Jodeci. I've been relaxing.
3: <laughs> Baby, won't you just stay? I can't sing, but
0: <laughs> yeah, buddy.
3: I see we well, got the, the way, number. Mike,
0: before you continue, Mike. Yeah, you you break. You you love Breaking Bad, right?
3: Oh yeah, Breaking Bad was good.
0: I highly recommend you watching the series, Your Honor. Brian Cranston best actor on television today that show is incredible and filmed entirely in New Orleans
3: what's it called again
0: your honor he plays okay. a judge and you know you talk about the judges that listen to the program if they're out there without without uh revealing who you are if you watch this show give a little thumbs up that show's tremendous Brian Cranston he you know how intense he was in breaking bad right Equally oh, yeah. as intense in your honor for the list- listeners out there highly reckon my my opinion the best show on television right now and it was only one season it's so a limited series 10 episodes it just finished <laughs> Showtime uh,
3: showtime. i'll 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 definitely check it out uh let's try this again you'll spark how it, you do-
0: you'll love it mike cuz you'll see you 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 see you see uh the superdome it's and um they, they filmed a couple episodes entirely in the, in the desire projects so you, you, you'll definitely. And the acting is top, top notch.
3: I'm definitely gonna check it out. I got a lot of stuff I got to check out. So, uh, and you know, I do my TV watching on the treadmill. So, that's that. Uh, Sparks, how you doing, man? Living a dream or what? Doing
4: fine. Doing fine. Doing fine.
3: Now that I got the audio working, you're doing fine. You know what? I'm gonna put, I'm, I'm gonna put Sparks an eye on, on, on video for a second in a, in a short minute. But Lance, how are you?
2: Oh, everything's great. Living a dream. I already did my big open. Nobody man. heard, so uh, I'll just say hey, I'll just be in the background. <laughs> Big opening,
3: <laughs> man. I hear that. I hear that. All right. So uh, real quick, fellas, uh, as we jump into this tonight, we're going to talk some Butch Reed appreciation. Obviously, we're going to talk some mid south '83 world class '83 Florida, maybe Portland '83, and of course we'll get into shenanigans. I swear, every time we do this, I think, ah, we'll go an hour, hour and a half. Two hours, two and a half hours later, we're still here, so we'll see how it goes, Uh, but I see a bunch of y'all in the chat. we got a bunch of people joining us live, so thank you very much. Craig Norman, I don't know why this one just jumped up out at me in the chat. Where are all the white women at? Um, You know, this is BTT, so Sparks and Lance are going to have to speak for that. (laughs) uh, Me and Silva, we were... uh, Silva and I roll a little differently, so uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say, but anyway... um, I tell you what, man, um, who, who, you know, Silva, I'm going to throw it to you first. I know you've been wanting to talk Butch Reed. Yes. We did a, I did a short Butch Reed on this week's show that passed because um, I was with Doc and I really didn't want to do nothing long because I knew we were eventually going to do this live stream. So I kind of just said a few things about, you know, looking up to him when I was a kid and I hated him as a heel, but loved him even more when he was a baby face, that type of thing. I'm going to let you go first, and then you know Sparks and Lance will jump in after. Uh, give, me, give me your thoughts. Uh, let's, let's talk some Butch Reed, Butch Reed appreciation. And as you say that, I have seen two of the videos you sent me. I've seen all the videos you sent me, just not today. Two of the videos right. you sent me, one where Reed turns face in Mid-South, and the other uh, when he turns on the dog. I've obviously seen that one too. So, um, But go ahead. Ch- chime in. Let, let, let's hear your thoughts on RIP Butch Reed. Uh, wonderful talent. Gone way too soon.
0: I didn't start following pro wrestling until I was fourteen years old. No, thirteen years old in July of eighty one. I've been a boxing fan since I was in diapers. All right, my father was a former uh, amateur boxer, and my father used to always say, "Ah, that fucking wrestler." Whenever I heard pro wrestling was brought up, it's like, "Don't watch that fake shit. We're watching the real shit." So. I followed my father that said, Man, I ain't watching. My friends would be like, Oh, did you see Bob Packlin? Did you see, uh, 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 who was, who was Big back? A oh, Bruno? I said, Man, I don't watch Andre. I said, I don't watch that fake shit. I'm a boxing fan. Then one July afternoon in 1981, I'm flipping the channels, changing channels out for those out there that never, you know, no remote, changing channels on a, I might have been a nine inch black and white television changing channels going through the UH, UHF channels and on one of the Spanish stations, Channel 47 in New York City. There was all star wrestling on a Saturday afternoon. And I don't know why I kept it there, but I saw two promos, one by Greg Valentine and one by Magnificent Don Morocco. And I'm like, "Yo, these motherfuckers can talk some shit. It wasn't the wrestling that started me off watching the wrestling. It was, as Mike would say, the shit talking. And I was like, man. And then I started watching every week. And that same week, on Tuesday nights, on channel that same channel, Channel 47, WNJU's, uh Telemundo Station, they used to show in New York City, and this is crazy because we're still in the territorial era, they used to show Florida Wrestling every Tuesday night at 11.30 on Channel 47. Only thing, um, fellas, was... That it would be thirty day delay. Like if I'm watching it in July, that means it was filmed in June, and it was shown in June. First, it was shown in Florida first, and four weeks later, it would be in. It would air in New York. The first episode, Lance, you'd be you 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 like this. The first segment I saw. Skip Young, Sweet Brown Sugar, unmasked. Mm-hmm. He had lost a match, and he had told the stipulation was if he lost he'd unmasked. So he's at the desk with Gordon Soley, and he's like, "Uh Gordon, Gordon, I uh uh I keep my promise to the fans. I'm taking my mask off. And I'm under, I'm I'm under the um understanding that that was when his stock began to go down because they said when he had the mask on, he had more charisma than without the mask because Lance would know this well cuz I believe Skip was a Dallas native. He had a dead eye
2: Right. Yeah. 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 Lazy eye. Yeah. That's the way I put it. And uh, I did look at the picture. You know, I've seen a million pictures with the mask on and then he takes it off. And, you know, It's it's a pretty boy federation down here in Dallas. Uh, well, it got to be. I mean, he comes right. back. I mean, where Mike and I are, where he's fixing to come to back to Dallas again. He was always treated good. I, was just, I sent you that picture of them, uh, you know, right. with right. Uh, man, that man. That is early on. And I didn't look up his birthday, but I know he was, he's probably what's, a couple years was, older.
0: Was that high school? Those
2: it guys ha- weren't high he school. He wasn't, kids? he was at, he went to South Oak Cliff here, and Mike and I. They did a segment from there, an interview with him in front of his high school. His dad was a a, a preacher here, you know, at a small church over in uh a south of the Oak Cliff area of Dallas. And so I, I don't know what the connection was, how he got in the business at all. In fact, I sent you it. I was sending a, te- a, a tweet, and I was I went looking for that picture that I sent you, and it was like hours later I. Came back to it. And that's why I said, I can't find that picture. And I erased it. But it was saying, you know, uh, about the, they went, you know, it looks like they're high school and it, but they didn't go together. So I didn't know how to say it. I I don't think I texted you back or whatever. I might have done on direct message. But anyways, yeah, it's pretty wild that that young picture
0: Because Dave, Dave Meltzer in The Observer mentioned that, uh, Skip and David were that Skip was one of David's best friends. That's oh, what I tweeted where you.
2: What's going? That's I where I was going. You. Yeah, that's what I was that, I And I tweeted you a second
0: ago. I tweeted yeah. you right away and asked if this was true cuz while Dave is great with his research, sometimes when he's getting facts from other sources cuz that's not his own knowledge You're exactly. I think right. sometimes people will will throw him bullshit like somebody gave him the wrong date for the match that Butch Reed had with Matt Bourne and Buzz Sawyer against Devon Eric's And the Observer, he wrote July 4th, 1985 I know that was July 4th, 1986 And you confirmed it Because I asked you, was that match shown on television And you said, uh, maybe clips But not the whole match Because you said that was the first time they have ever
2: had it not at Fort Worth for 4th of right. July, but Reunion Arena, right? You always ask me the best questions when I'm not on my couch and I can't click to it real quick. So <laughs> I'm driving down the road. I'm going, uh, <laughs> let me think about it and stuff. Because, yeah, like the Chris Adams title win, as I said, was it's the same of- night. It's right, the same night right. yeah, it's the And same I lost night, I... my train of thought a second ago uh, What you had asked me about If they were close So I don't know if they were right. actually close But it was that 1982 time When they were both in Florida that makes sense that they would have been close
0: And 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 um uh Dory would have known both of them from Texas Because Dory Funk Oh yeah this, Dory yeah. Funk was the booker in Florida So Mike I saw Skip Young He takes the mask off And so I start watching Florida wrestling And I'm watching it every Tuesday night then on an April night, and this was filmed, this was first shown in Florida in March, and I sent you guys the match. The show starts with going so in the middle of a match between Hacksaw Butch Reed and Ric Flair for the NWA world title. I'm like, oh shit, that showing a title match on television? WWF never does this. What the hell? And I had never seen Butch before. And this was a tremendous match It goes to a 30 minute time limit Since it's a television match It's a 30 minute time limit on TV It goes 30 minutes And you know the old angle, Flair picks up the microphone And he goes, no! I want 5 more minutes No way this guy goes 30 minutes with me And they go, 2 more minutes And Butch Reed on a flying Body press, I believe Pins Rick Flair, and the place goes Bonkers, and I'm like, this is like Fucking 1215 in the morning <laughs> And I'm thinking wow I saw a title Change on television But no since it was overtime This, this is how to get around it It didn't count Because it was after the time limit So Flair, Flair grabs the title and he, and he leaves He leaves but then that sets up A huge feud And then a few weeks later The only time I've ever seen Kerry as a heel Mike And I asked Lance about this too uh, Ric Flair goes out there and he's got this blonde chick with him, and he's talking. I want, I need competition, but forget Butch Reed, and then Butch Reed shows up, and he calls, you know, the the racist angle. yeah Boy, you you get out of my face, boy! And then Reed gets mad, grabs Flair, rips his clothes off, and now Kerry and David try to go after Butch Reed, and he throws him over the top rope, and he rips Flair's clothes off, and then he body. He, Press Flair on top of Devon Eric's, and that was crazy because maybe Lance—I don't know Lance—in April of '82 was the bounty on Kerry yet from Flair because oh, no, right no, then no. and there, no. okay, because right then and there he puts a bounty on Butch Reed—a twenty-five thousand dollar bounty—which later on in the year he would do the same thing with Kerry, and it's crazy because Kerry and David, where he well Kerry was only there for like one, a spot or two. But David, for almost the entire 1982, was a heel in Florida. And he had some great matches with Butch Reed. Well, Butch Reed is on fire. He's in a tag team with Sweet Brown Sugar. They're the Florida tag team champions. Butch Reed is the international champion. He's going to 60-minute matches with uh, Flair throughout the entire territory. And this is the first wrestler I idolized. I was like, yeah. Then late summer. Here comes Dusty Rhodes, back to Florida. <laughs> and Dusty, like he always does, gets jealous. And he does this with, with with black baby faces more than anybody. And he starts, he latches on to Butch Reed. Because he sees that Butch Reed's the new guy. And he surpasses Butch Reed on purpose. And so Butch saw, sees the writing on the wall. So Butch leaves. He goes to Georgia for a few months. Has some more matches with, with Flair. And then he goes to Mid-South. I can't watch Mid-South at this time because Mid-South's not being shown in 1983 in New York. I have to follow his career through the after mags. And I remember when he turned heel, and I bought that after mag, and they showed in in, in the magazine a before Butch Reed picture and an after Butch Reed picture. Before, before he turned a rule breaker, they used to call it, and after he was no longer a scientific wrestler One picture, Mike, shows Butch Reed high-fiving fans The other picture shows Butch Reed with that scowl While fans are trying to reach out And he's totally ignoring, ignoring, ignoring them I was like, wow, this is great But I didn't get to see any of that back then I could just read through the magazines 83, I didn't see Butch again until And and, and, and um. Lance will remember this there was a startup. Remember 1984 was the year that WWF started their expansion and was invading all the territories. The only territory they didn't invade was Dallas because and Lance could correct me on this, Vince senior and Fritz were pretty close. So he didn't mess with Dallas. Plus he wanted Devon Ericks, Junior wanted Devon Ericks and I think they were trying to find a way to get Fritz to to, to sell to to Vince, but Fritz Fritz wasn't selling. Not not with that territory red hot.
2: Um, no, no, he's loyal to the NWA. And I, I haven't heard that the Vince and Fritz were close. I haven't. He was just, you know, Vince Senior was still, you know, a part of the NWA, you know, on that board. And but you know, Fritz did, was he loyal he to did, that.
0: He didn't he didn't try he didn't he didn't invade Dallas though. In nineteen eighty four he left Dallas alone.
2: Yeah, it, um, you know, I just put that program up, that <laughs> uh, that that uh that poster up the first time they came to Dallas, they put Andre versus Stud, whenever that was, that was the first time they came in and they didn't draw shit. But they tried, you know, and they kept pecking away at it, you know, and then they get it a little farther up by the time 87 came. But yeah, there wasn't much he could do to people in Dallas. People that were in Dallas were headed to uh, mostly uh, to Georgia eventually and then on to the WWF, you know. That's that was the way it was. It wasn't a straight shot at WWF. It was very few that did that.
0: I think the only one that might have went straight no. Master G was in mid South when he went to yeah, uh, exactly. WWF. Then he went to then he went to world class. I don't think they got anybody straight from world class. Not anybody You're name.
2: Right. Not anybody big name. But you know, the the Freebirds had already been everywhere. They went up there for two weeks.
0: Oh, the Freebirds. But the Freebirds had gone was all over the place in nineteen eighty four. Yeah. You're right. You're right, I think that's probably the best example was, We're the Freebirds So anyway um, the, the There was a startup group, Mike Called Pro Wrestling USA Which were Florida Crockett AWA Jarrett, they all got together To combat the WWF's expansion And on the first week Of September, the first Saturday of September Of 1984 there was They debuted their show Pro Wrestling USA and in that very first show, that and the tapings were held at the Mid South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee, and it was a uh, awesome, I mean, the big you had everybody on that card: Rock and Roll Express, Eddie Eddie Gilbert was a jobber on on that TV taping. You had a uh, Harley Race and, and Nick Bockwinkle were a tag team in that first um that that first show, and so were Tony Atlas and Butch Reed. Now Butch Reed at this time was a heel in Mid South. But at Pro Wrestling USA, the first episode, him and Tony Atlas were a babyface tag team, and I'm like, oh shit, is this gonna be something regular? That would be the last time I saw Butcher on Pro Wrestling USA. He went back to Mid South after that. Um, then, of course, you had the babyface term that uh, that that, that uh, was great with Buddy Landell and and Hercules Hernandez and and Skander Akbar. Muttered the famous words that George Bush would mut- uh, mutter twenty years later: "You either with us or against us."
3: That yeah. was great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one Texas oilman to another. <laughs> <laughs> so, so
0: that was a great babyface turn, but I didn't see any of that back then. Um, and then 1985, 19 Butch Reed in 1985 had one of the greatest years of any wrestler in the history of professional wrestling. And it started off it started off kinda weird because at the beginning of, of eighty five, he got into a fight, a, a locker room fight with Nord the Barbarian. And they beat the shit out of each other. Um everybody there says that Butch eventually won the fight, but they fucked each other up real bad. And shortly after that, Butch was fired. Um Dave had the timeline wrong on his auto, on, In his bio On, on Butch Reed So I'm, I'm, I'm going to correct that bio Because He had that fight with Nord I believe he was fired and he, Or he quit one or the other he, he had a, Him and Watts had a falling out And yeah. he went To the AWA And anybody who ever Watched the AWA You could answer the question How many black wrestlers ever got over in the AWA? The silence means zero. None. None. In 84, they had Tony Atlas. Didn't didn't do anything with him. Here they have Butch Reed, one of the five best workers in the United States at that point in time. April of 1985. What do they do? They use him to be Jimmy Garvin's bodyguard. So Jimmy Garvin is feuding with Rick Martell over the AWA title, and I'm watching because we had pro uh, in New York that same Pro Wrestling USA in 1985. Basically, was predominantly an AWA show. It, it was rare that you saw an NWA wrestler come on the show, and I saw Butch Reed for a few weeks. I was like, all right, but they got him as bodyguard for Jimmy Garvin. He should be wrestling Martell, not Jimmy Garvin. Um. Reed saw that 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 Vern Gagne was off his rocker and was going to wasn't going to push him, so he went back to Mid. No, he went to Montreal first for a month or two, then he went back to Mid South. Now Mike, he would have been perfect for the Ali, uh, rub. Not this fucking fake JYD snowman motherfucker who was horrible. <laughs> the snowman made JYD look like Lutez. All right? the snowman was horrible. He was a blatant ripoff of the junkyard dog with the bullshit power slam. and The only thing he was oppressive about him was his physique. His hairline was receding, too. I mean, he was horrible. He was horrible. Now, I'm not seeing any of this. I'm reading it in the after mags, but I'm like, hindsight being 2020, they probably would have done bigger business had it been Butch, imagine Butch Reed and Muhammad Ali cutting promos on Jake Roberts. Instead Jesus. of the snowman who, who who was a who was Mister Hooked on Phonics, it, it was <laughs> unreal. So Watts sees that the snowman doesn't work out, and I think the snowman doesn't even drop the TV the Mid South TV title. He just leaves the promotion with with that uh Olympic gold medal that they used to give out as the Mid South TV title. So they hold a tournament for the TV title, and who comes back? Butch Reed. He replaces the snowman. And from that from the the beginning of July to the end of the year, Butch Reed is on fire. He has incredible matches with Dutch Mantel. I sh- I sent you a clip with Jim Ross loses his mind, where uh, Dutch Mantel starts whipping Butch Reed and Reed is taking them whips and then he catches the whip. And he starts whipping Mantel and Bill Dundee, and Jim Ross is going crazily. Oh, Hacksaw Bunchman, Axel Bunchman! That was great. That was great. Like he was, he's walking tall. He's walking tall. <laughs> after after Dutch, he uh, feuds with, uh, not really a feud. He has a face feud with Dick Murdoch, where he eventually beats Murdoch in a. I believe it was a 45 to 50 minute match at the man. I, I I've been there several times. Uh, the Municipal Auditorium in New Orleans. And when he beats Murdoch, he leaves he leaves the ring, and the black fans in the in the audience they're coming up to him, they're patting him on the back, and it looks like he's that mid south has finally found that face. And then in August of '85, he loses to flare in like 45 minutes at the Superdome, which was the last decent crowd they ever had at the Superdome. So Reed is on fire. Then he has a great TV match that you guys love that I sent to you against Ted DiBiase. That was a great match. That was a clinic right there. And then after that, he has an incredible feud. with. He has another match with Ric Flair on TV where he pins Flair, and then Dick Slater comes in and they stuff pile drive him. And then he has that incredible feud with Dick Slater and Buzz Sawyer. Did you guys see the the dog collar match I sent you between Reed and Sawyer?
3: I, I didn't watch it today, Silver, but I've seen it before.
0: That match was incredible. Fuck this Dustin, uh, this Cody Rhodes versus <laughs> R.I.P. Brody Lee. This was a dog collar match, man. They beat the hell out of each other and buzz goes over because, of course, they cheated with Dick Slater. And then finally, the feud... With Dick Slater and Doc Journey, and the very last match he has in the territory, January first, nineteen eighty-six, he loses to Dick Slater in a match where, if he won, Doc Journey would be his property. I think for thirty days. And um, Mike, in that match, Doc Journey has on this red dress, and she looks oh so fucking delicious, man. <laughs> I mean, she looked incredible.
3: I knew she it eventually come to red that. Dress that- I, I knew tell it.
0: I don't know how. The, I don't know how she fit that red dress on. That red dress showed all her curves. That shit was painted on.
2: <laughs> oh
0: man! So after that, and I I heard this for years, and it was true. His wife got tired of him getting high and not being home, and you know Butch being the man down there was banging broads left and right, and uh, oh, I think
3: in New Orleans. The Oh yeah. my God! With the, what the population, looked. what? The well, it's not looked. just that. I grew up in that city. The population of African American women. He was slamming everything. I'm sure. I don't know that for a fact, but he was popular.
0: Conjecture, conjecture is ninety nine percent correct. Yes. So, uh, his wife called Watts and said, "I want my 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 my." Husband out of there. And so he had another falling out with Watts and he went back home. And he was so bad in with his wife. He was on the outs with his wife that he went to the to to the toilet bowl of professional wrestling territories, the Kansas City area. And now Bob Geigel, I don't know what he was smoking. He has Butch Reed, this incredible talent, as a mid card wrestler teaming up with Rufus R. Jones. For the first few months And Reed really doesn't get a major push Until he turns on uh, Rufus And he starts teaming I mean, he's, yeah, he starts teaming With his new manager, Slick Who I didn't know until a year ago Was Rufus R. Jones' son In real life I didn't know that until about a year ago That Rufus R. Jones' son was Slick They kept it quiet for years Um, He loses a Losing Leaf Town match to Brody Why? Because it's September of '86. He goes to the WWF. Now, at this point in time, I'm living in New Orleans. Oh, I forgot to mention this, Mike. The reason I applied to go to Loyola University was during that massive run in 1985. I'm like, if I go to New Orleans, I get to see Butch Reed every week Oh, every month. The- <laughs> I get to go watch UDF on television and go to the arenas and see. So, you know, I I, 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 I got accepted to New Orleans. At the same time, Butch Reed went went back to Kansas City. (laughs) So he comes to the WWF in September with the blonde hair, and that was the beginning of the end as far as a singles wrestler. He did not move the same in New York. He gained more. Like Mike has mentioned this before, in the WWF, he put on even more muscle. You thought he was big in Mid-South. It looked like, Mike, what you would say, 20, 25 pounds extra of, uh, of muscle on, on that he put on?
3: I don't know if it was the camera shot, the way they shot him, but he's he's, he's no, thick nah. in Mid-South, man. No, I mean, he's, um, he's, he's thick in, in WWF. I mean, and I don't like his move. run there, but he's he was
0: thick. It's not the same Butch Reed that I remember in Florida and in the Mid-South that I was reading in the magazine. And I'm like, I, I, I saw him in New Orleans, and when I went back to New York, I saw him several times in New York and he couldn't move. His feud with Superstar Graham, even though it did huge numbers at the Garden, I saw him twice at the Garden against Superstar Graham. He couldn't move. Superstar Graham was a cripple. He couldn't move. And I'm like, what the fuck happened to my man Butch? Finally leaves in 88, then goes to WCW NWA in 1989. The first six months there, he's doesn't really do anything he has that Horrible match with a guy who died recently Also Steve Casey Um the a match that we It was on the clash right it was on that clash of champions Um he I I, I saw him In at at the New Orleans Clash against Junkyard Dog in one of the Worst matches in the history of mankind Oh that match was horrible
3: They're These talking about the guys, clash What happened you talking about the the match With them at the clash
0: yeah, the, the New Orleans clash. Yeah. That was a
3: shit. That was, okay, I got to stop you for a second because, you know, I, I like to be fair. I love Butch Reed. I love Junkyard Dog. That match in 1989 with those two was the drizzling shits. And when you think about just, what, fucking six years before five that, years, no, five, five years, years before that, that.
0: The last time they wrestled in the Superdome was July of 83, and it was like 24,000, 25,000 people.
3: Yeah. So five years before that, the dog and JY, I mean, the dog and Butch are tearing it up in Mid South. I mean, like, you know, 20,000 people in the Superdome, lighting the territory on fire with, with just matches that got the territory going nuts for. And then, like, as a Mid South fan, you know, y'all listen to it. Oh, I'm sure you listened to it by now. It was months ago where we did the review. I was like, you're watching those two in that same building, um, now there were 5,000 people there, but you know, 4,000 giveaways, as we've talked about but, at the same time you watch that match, and it was like this is a shit show compared to what, and I don't even say compared, they just they it, it was just done, it was over, like there was neither of them they, first off, there was no build up, but you figure in that building, you know people would be like, oh yeah, it's a dog and in butchered." nobody cared it was just, man. Eh. You know, I mean, I cared, but I most people no, were I, like, "eh."
0: I cared, I and the dude I was with cared, but you know, everybody was like, you know, going to the bathroom, yeah, going to the concession stand, waiting for this shit to end. And, and only five years later,
3: and, only five years later, that's the thing. Only five years later, mm-hmm. but go ahead.
0: And I didn't know Mike uh, Sparks and 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 uh, Lance. Uh, I just found out the other day that Butch told a friend of his that he considered. Junkyard dog, one of the best, one of his best friends when he was alive, and they were tight. And they would talk all the time. I didn't know that.
2: No, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, they probably did lines together. Anyway, back to what I was saying. <laughs> so,
3: hey, so, man, we keep it real. You know what I mean? Look, our heroes ain't perfect.
0: So after after that shit show, finally, and Mike is up to it. Um, I won't go much into it. I'll end my thing here. Uh, praise Mike. You 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 have to praise Mike because he's keeping Butch Reed's legacy alive with the Mid South Show. Because uh, uh, right now, you uh, like Mike said earlier, you're going to see a great tag team starting very soon on his podcast with Jim Neanville, Nightheart and Butch Reed. And that's a badass tag team. And oh, I forgot to mention one of the greatest matches in mid-south history was the christmas 1983 match versus magnitair and mr wrestling two inside the cage be uh be ready to hear all about that watch that on the network and then in 1989 mike is covering WCW fall of 89 right and right now the doom team with ron simmons and butch reed will be, and That would be Butch Reed's last big run, and so for the for the next eighteen months, you'll be getting all nothing but Butch Reed on on all the shows that Mike's doing. It's
3: crazy how it'll
0: Butch Reed was the first wrestler I've idolized, and he had an incredible career. Um, Knee, his knee, unfortunately, gave out, but still, even with a bad knee. That tag team with Doom was a hell of a tag team. And they had tremendous matches with Luger and Sting and the Steiner brothers. Oh, and the Horsemen. They had Mm -hmm. incredible matches with the Horsemen. So look forward to to seeing those and hearing about that on BTT. Um, Rest in peace, Butch. My first wrestler I ever idolized. One of my five favorite wrestlers of all time. He's number three right now after Bret Hart and Tanahashi. But he's a strong three. No one's overcoming Butch Reed. He was. He had the. To, he was the total package. I like Luga, but Butch Reed was the total package. He had everything: build, promo, worker, psych, ring psychology. There's nobody today that can, that you that you could compare to Butch Reed athletically, and it's crazy. I mentioned this on Twitter earlier. Watch the way he walked, walked away from when Cornette and the Midnight Express attacked Watts. He was walking like a 90-year-old man, yet still, once he was in the ring, was exploding like a junior heavyweight. Man.
3: Yeah, man. R.I.P. Butch, man. I don't know. I can't I can't add much more to that. There is a question um, Andy Toth asked, though, in the chat. Um, Sparks, do you want to say some things before I uh, ask Andy's question?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, one thing, um, well, a couple of things I want to say about Reed, uh, number one, he was a guy, one of the few guys you see that was good at everything. He was a good single. He was a good tag team. I mean, he started off, you know, they brought him into mid South to be the dog's partner. You know, they could have his back and trust years later. He's doing it on the heel side with Anvil Nightheart. um, good on the mic, He's good in the ring. I mean, just there was nothing you could ask him to do that he couldn't do. And one thing to me that's a real testament to him. And Mike, you said on this most recent Thursday show that, think you were, yeah, you were saying that when you saw Reed with the belt, you know, it reminded you of Flair. But you didn't want to compare Reed to Flair. But I am, and I'm going to compare Reed to Flair in this way. And Silva mentioned a little bit earlier that, you know, they had the side-by-side pictures of him as a face and him as a heel, the one he's high-fiving the fans, the other one he's just kind of scowling at people. But aside from who he's working against, whether he's cheating or not, and how he's interacting with the fans, Butch Reed was Butch Reed whether he was a heel or a face. Just like Flair, same guy, basically cutting the same promos on either side. And Reed was able to pull that same thing off just by being Butch Reed. And he could work it both ways, and that's just a real testament to his talent.
3: Yeah, I I agree. I I didn't want to compare. You, you, look, you you compare him to Flair. <laughs> you should see my inbox if I would have did that. <laughs> um, that's why I don't. That's why I kind of halt myself sometimes uh just because i just don't feel like seeing the backlash but when i say he remind me of flair if you go watch him on some of those promos where he's with watts and he's got the belt especially the first one where he had the belt he's got the sunglasses on he's got the suit on he looks like a champion that's what i mean i don't know if i don't maybe i shouldn't say he looks like flair but he looks like a champion he looks the the, the thing I, I like to say when i look at wrestlers that i, I looked up to as being great talents they look like they should have had that role. And that's what I meant by Butch. You'd see him with the belt. You're like, he looks like a champion. Um, Rick Flair obviously looked like a champion. I mean, so when you see these guys that have the belt, you go, oh, yeah, that guy looks like a champion. That's that's kind of where I was going um, with that comment. But, but I agree with you. Uh, Sparks, anything else before I tur- turn it over to Lance? Nah,
2: have at it, Lance.
3: All right, SMU. We,
2: you know, at the uh, end of eighty two is when I started watching and you know, I got world class. We didn't get uh, you know, mid south here, but we got uh T B S. So immediately, you know, I'm on TBS watching at the end of eighty two. And that's uh luckily when uh Hacksaw came through and he's looking huge. So immediately he's my second favorite. I know you, I told uh, Robert the other day, if yeah, you, you asked me, me, it that. was, you know, Carrie yeah. followed by <laughs> Bruce Reed back then and stuff. Cause you know, he was so huge and it was right before the road warriors came in and they were huge. And, uh, you know, it, so it was, uh, you know, I followed him through the magazines because we'd get mid South for a, you know, a couple of months and it'd go away and stuff. So, you know, it was kind of hit and miss what we got to see, especially, you know, we didn't see J Y D versus, uh, hacksaw you know it was just magazines just like robert uh but he did you know finally he came through dallas uh during that time in the end of 85 and he had three arm wrestling matches with Kerry. and the first one they started having a arm wrestling match and some they it broke down into a fight and reed was supposed to be in a tag team match after that that night and instead they had to you know cancel that he was hurt to wrestle uh, in storyline then he had another uh arm wrestling deal with carry at the cotton bowl in 80. Uh, it? Yeah. 85. Yeah. This is 85. And uh, it, they, it broke down to carry won somehow, some distraction or so. And so they had, we're going to have one more at the end of, uh, I think this was October something of 85 and it was going to be, no, it's,
0: you know, it's, it's, it's 84. Cause I, cause 85 was the feud with the, uh, with yeah, Gino and of course, Chris of course, 84.
2: Yeah, yeah, so 84, on that last yeah. one, they built it up that it was going to be them arm wrestling over scorpions. And it wasn't a, it was just a regular Fort Worth Monday (laughs) night show and they're going to arm wrestle over scorpions. And so I'm like, Holy shit, that's going to be wild. Of course they're not going to show it. This is on Fort Worth TV and they're not going to show a main event like that. And, but, the next morning, and there's an article out there. I asked somebody if they could find that article on Facebook uh, in one of the Von Eric deals because I, I used to have that article. But instead of the Scorpions, they used cigars, like lit cigars. And I don't know how it went down. <laughs> I, I know Kerry won in the results, but I don't know the story and everything. But they did do that. And then, uh, you know, he's gone. He, he left right – he was supposed to be on a Thanksgiving show in a, in a tag match, a nothing tag match. But it was against Kerry and uh, instead he he quit the promotions, what they say. Then he does come back in the middle, we're fixing to see him on our shows in July. He's going to come back to Dallas on that July 4th show and then he'll be gone and everything. but he did you know came through a few do they, times. Do they show do they show, like actually do they show any of that match on 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 the world class show? I've, yeah, I, yeah, I know they show a few clips you said because going it's Mike's return match, so I know they showed a few clips, and I have a picture of Mike with a headlock on Hacksaw. Right. Not that I took, though, a magazine
0: that that, that 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 was right before he went to the WWF, before he
2: uh, dyed his hair blonde. Right, right. And that's about it, you know, so yeah, I've always liked him. The so, magazines helped so much. You know, they brought those guys to life, even though we never, you know, you would never see them, you know. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. that
0: in 1983, because 19 if it wasn't for uh, the after mags in 1983, I would have known none of this. I I followed all the territories in 1983 through the after mags, and then years later when I start tape trading and I start
2: watching it, I'm like, motherfucker, Bill Laptor had this shit down pat. This is just as good as they said it was in the past. That's why at, at WrestleCon I, you know, went right up to uh, after for a picture. I went right up to George Napolitano and up to uh, Jimmy Suzuki and got pictures with all of them because I thought, man, you know, they've taken all the pictures all my life. And you know, George asked me a question the other day. Oh, he asked me. <laughs> George asked me if he was at the first Texas Stadium, and I had to think for a second. Wait, I know Bill is all over the place, and yeah, I found a screenshot. Yeah, and Bill it. was dead. Yeah, uh, Bill. Oh, Wasn't... yeah, Bill's there in a in a dark blue shirt. You don't rec- He doesn't stand out. It's actually you see a, uh, well, but they're both there and and stuff. But uh, it, George is the one that asked me if he was at the first one. I knew he was at the second and third, but uh, he asked me about that the uh, other day on Twitter. I was like, yeah, here you are. So, and that's pretty cool because you follow so much of those guys' careers. But, anyways, the magazines really brought um, butchery, as you said, and and Florida too. You know, I feel like I knew everything that was going on in Florida, even though I probably only knew one third of it because I, you know, the magazines and we looked at those magazines like we were nuts. Oh, you know, after loved
0: traveling down south. He loved going to Dallas, Charlotte, Atlanta, and. Tampa, Miami, he loved going to those areas, he loved, and so that's why you had a lot, you had more coverage of those territories than Mid-South um, Mike, the first couple of years of JYD, with the Superdome against the Freebirds, and um, up until his, he began his feud with DiBiase, Mid-South wasn't in the aftermax, it was around the DiBiase feud where jyd started being featured in the um after mags.
2: oh yeah that's a, exactly like uh, world class exactly you know that same time frame is when you know it, it hit there that uh, 82 and stuff you're kind of 82 81 end of 81 right it, it, probably
0: 82 when um when um Kerry started feuding with flair right it would probably have been, been, had to have been 82
2: yeah otherwise it was a lot of features on david and uh, david would get the press but the other two and the company oh, wouldn't and, get as much. And
0: they did a lot of they, – they covered his whole run in Florida. I mean yeah, every, yeah. every
2: every month in the is is like the ev- the evil influence Funk has over <laughs> on there. <everybody." laughs> oh, I was going to say one thing on the Florida. There is the tape that's out there that you can buy because I, I bought it 100 years ago when we bought VCR tapes from people. Uh where it's Kerry versus Skip Young, it's the end of this program and it goes off the air. But it, you know, you see Kerry wrestling as a heel for, you know, wow, two on, on Florida television. Yeah, yeah, that's out there. You can, you, uh, it's probably on YouTube if you look right now. Uh, Kerry is a heel in in Florida. The beside there's wow. an interview with him with his, have,
0: It's probably around that same time where uh, mm-hmm. Butch oh, rips yeah. off Flair's clothes because Kerry
2: doesn't come back to Florida after that. Yeah, I don't sounds, believe. Right, I, I would. Be, I think it's probably the same episode because I had that episode for years when they came out, and it was just a really bad copy I had.
3: Um. So, re- one more thing. I, I'm. I'm. I, this discussion has been tremendous. I'm actually tempted to clip this portion of it, which is now approaching an hour, and just posting this as a YouTube. Um. Like for free on YouTube, just the read part, because this was really good. Doc and I didn't even come close to anything like this. I think I talked about it for five minutes. So. Well,
0: well, Doc, 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 Doc didn't grow up watching Butch. Yeah,
3: you yeah did And I, so, and I didn't want to say
0: you you were with the you were with the wrong guy that night. I mean, yeah. You know, like you, Doc, admitted. Doc was like, you know, I didn't watch WCW Doom when they when they came out, and I was world class, and Butch Reed maybe came in once or twice. So he doesn't have the same feelings for Butch that you would you you have. Yeah
3: and I knew we were gonna talk long form about it. Uh so yeah. I am contemplating clipping just the Butch Reed part of this even though it's for patrons and I may put it on YouTube for free. But what I was gonna say was Andy Toth asked a question in the chat and he says uh question for the panel and we'll close it with this with Butch Reed. I think this is a good stopping point do you guys think Butch Reed should have gotten a shot, a short run with the NWA title in 1985? Uh, Sparks, you got any thoughts on that before, as we go around? Could he have done it? Absolutely.
4: Uh, was there any chance of that happening with Watts not being a full NWA member? Probably no. Right. But I mean, there's no doubt that Pete Butch Reed could have been a world champion. He had made the
3: circuit uh, yeah. once or twice. I don't think there's uh, any yeah. doubt about that. I'm not trying to hurt any feelings. Lance, Lance won't, Lance will understand this when I say this. Lance, Lance is not a, uh, Von Eric defender. He calls out the, the Von Eric mythology all the time on the world-class show. If you don't listen to it, um, Carrie Von Eric was a world champion. So if you're going to ask me if Butch Reed, uh, should he have gotten a shot? Uh, well he could have, he would have been fine. I think, um, did, it just, like Sparks said, it wasn't going to happen. But what do, what do you think, Lance?
2: Yeah, I'll go with Sparks. You know, he could have, you know. A lot of guys back then could have. But he certainly could have. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the, the way the business was. Yeah. I, it wasn't the formula anyways. You know, you, I mean, I guess if he came come into Dallas as a heel and thinking, okay, he beats Flair, as a, then he immediately comes to Dallas and they play it as a back, you know, it would have been good. But, you know, they never could get the carry uh Reed match together, so I can't imagine him coming in. You know how it would work. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, what about you, Silva? What do you think about uh, his question?
0: 1985 was another was the last great year of the territories. Mm-hmm. Flair went to damn near every territory in 1985. Portland, uh, Florida, Mid South. Because you see, he he wrestled Jake Jake Roberts, Ted DiBiase, and Butch Reed. In late 1985 he went to Memphis He had great matches with Jerry Lawler and Coco Beware matter of fact There was a deal made That Lawler was supposed to get the title In 1985 but it Fell through between Jarrett and Crockett So Early 1985 when Butch Reed leaves Mid-South and goes to the AWA what if he Instead goes To Florida where he's a huge face And they make a deal where he Beats Flair for the title Early nineteen eighty-five, and he ha- and remember, uh, Crockett doesn't take over TBS until after WrestleMania. WWF has uh, World Championship Wrestling until the week after WrestleMania, when Crockett takes over. When he, when Jim Crockett buys uh, that slot for a million dollars, you could easily see Butch for the first month or two be a world champion around the circuit, and then. Lose it to Flair, maybe at instead of Flair versus Nikita at uh, Charlotte Stadium, Charlotte Coliseum in July of of eighty five at the very first Great American Bash, it's Butch Reed losing to a babyface Flair as a heel world champion to a babyface Flair. Flair regains the title, and then Butch goes back to mid south, and then Flair could go ahead and do his his feud with Dusty they could still do that angle where they beat up Dusty in the cage. So Butch Reed definitely could have had a 2 or 3 month run in 1985 in the first half because Flair went throughout the went throughout the entire he went to Hawaii. He wrestled Kerry everywhere in 1985, Lance can tell you. He wrestled yeah. Kerry in St. Louis, Oklahoma, Tulsa and Hawaii in 1980 and Dallas in 1985 all mm-hmm. over the United States. So you and Reed could have went to uh, Dallas and defended the title against Kerry. That could have done major business. That that could have been the um, parade of champions um uh, main event May of eighty five. See now I'm booking the territory.
3: <laughs> 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 but, but Butch
0: Reed would have, they they would have made money with Butch, and it would have made him even more money later on because, unlike Tommy Rich, he could have been pushed as the former NWA World Champion who didn't have to have his tonsils busted out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely definitely, Butch could have easily been a world champion, and, and it would have been great. And for those out there, um, it's on YouTube. Coco Beware versus Ric Flair, November 1985, Memphis Coliseum, an incredible match. An incredible match. People don't realize Coco was a tremendous worker before he went and got Frankie and started j- jitterbugging in the WWF. Pile <laughs> driver! <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Um, someone on the chat <laughs> said something about the snowman is Tommy Rich's favorite wrestler. I think it was uh, our <laughs> friend Ben Martin out there.
4: Yeah, it was Ben Martin. I wrote that down to come back to it later.
3: <laughs> okay, thank you, Sparks. I saw it a little while ago. The snowman uh, is. Well, t- you, you know what the you know what
0: the snowman means in um in the urban dictionary.
3: Oh, oh God! God.
0: What? Oh God! You know what the, the oh the snowman? There was even a rap record called "The Snowman." It's about the snowman's a drug dealer. Yeah.
2: That's, oh, okay. how it, oh,
0: yeah, that's how he yeah. got his wrestling well, name. yeah, but he what used is that? It? Because he was a the snowman, um, yeah. Eddie Crawford, was a drug dealer before he became a wrestler. He was a, a college football player, turned drug dealer. Then he, because of his athletic background, he, he was able to do some independent shots, and then finally got to mid south.
3: Uh, that's that uh, that that ping was uh the uh broadcasting software saying so, you know, it disconnected and reconnected, so if you lost us for a minute or a second or so, that may have been why but uh, it's...
0: two seconds
3: yeah it says it's uh it says it's reconnected but anyway i i had to mention this snowman was tommy Rich's favorite wrestler i knew that about the snowman uh Silva. i knew that's what it meant yeah. but i i was literally looking up an urban dictionary to see yeah like if it was something really really crazy like some of these urban dictionaries that we've uh read in the past here uh i think i'm gonna pick sparks uh, to do the to do the lines. So hey, kids... hey, 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 oh, Mike. Oh, go ahead. Hey,
0: Mike. I don't think I don't think you. Uh, I, I wanna. Um, I don't know if you can get away with this. But being that as a Patreon, is there any way you could end the show after he says uh after he says uh bucket bitch with the Doom theme song? You don't wanna. Um. So I can't
3: do it. I can't do it on a live stream because it's on YouTube. I'm not YouTube. talking about
0: live. I'm talking about edit afterwards. And uh, he,
3: Yeah, do me a favor. The Patreon. Yeah. Send me the I'm gonna link. I'm going to send you
0: the link. I'm going to send you the link. I'm going to yeah. email you the link on the Book of the Territory email. Because it, 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 they used to have it with a version with Teddy Long. And now uh-huh. it's called just the Ron Simmons theme song. But right, that was right. originally the theme, the Doom theme song. So I'm going to send you that link after we okay. get on yeah, yeah, yeah. send it busy, to me. Are you Mike?
2: You're
3: not busy. Send, send it to me. <laughs> and then so what I'll do is on the on the version that gets uh, you know, the audio only version, the, the on-demand version right. after, right. I'll I'll right. I'll I'll close the show out with that with that theme song. That sound good?
0: That's perfect.
3: All right. Sparks, we're gonna get out of here, man. You do what Harper always does, hit the tagline and I will end the stream.
4: Look it, bitch you yeah. yeah.